1: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Employment Law Show. Good to have you along. Our good pal, Chris Justice, is here. Courtesy, Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. So much to cover on the show today. Anytime, by the way, you'll want to reach out to Chris and his team. We'd love to talk to you. Have a chat, set you straight, educate you even further. 1-855-821-5900. Again, one 855 Eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employment lawyer. we're going to get into actions of your employer that can be or rather can constitute a termination. That is coming up in just a uh, a couple minutes. But we always start off with the case of the day, uh, Chris. What do you got? Uh, what do you got cooking on your end, pal?
2: Yeah. So, case of the day this time around has to do with an employee who was terminated for conduct or actions that he or she may have performed off-duty, so outside of the working relationship, and uh, ultimately, this individual was terminated for alleged just cause, so the employer was uh, attempting to avoid any of its severance obligations on the basis of this off-duty conduct, but uh, as it so happened, the courts ended up awarding uh, this gentleman with some severance because... The employer, unfortunately, did not do all that it was required. So just by a little way of background, this was an employee who was in their 60s. He worked at a construction company, and he had worked there for about 15 years. Uh, As I mentioned, his employer eventually terminated his employment for just cause. And uh, so prior to the termination itself, the employee, while performing his job in the normal course of, of things, uh, was actually placed under arrest. So uh, some officers came to the workplace, placed this man under arrest, uh, and he was ultimately charged with two counts of assault. Wow. Uh, so after this happened, the following day, the company met with the employee uh, following the arrest to try and get an understanding of you know what exactly went on. Mm-hmm. And the employee himself refused to give any details of the charges that were laid. Uh, And all the employees said during the meeting with the employer at the time was that the um, allegations or the alleged crimes did not occur in the workplace and that they did not involve any of the company's employees. Uh, The employer subsequently asked the employee to quit, to resign, but the employee refused and took a leave of absence instead. And then upon the employee's return from the leave of absence, which was a few weeks later, uh, that employee was fired immediately for just cause Uh, And the basis was due to the charges that were laid, and also the company was alleging that it had uh, suffered some reputational harm as a result of the charges. Um, Important to note, however, that the company at no point conducted any form of an investigation. Uh, There were no written reasons given for the employee's termination, other than what was briefly said to him on a call, termination call. And that played a huge role in this particular case because when this case got to trial, the judge criticized the employer for not having done any form of investigation uh, and also found that there was no harm uh, or damage done to the company's reputation or at least nothing that the company could measure or quantify in any real way. And so for that reason, you know, the, the failure to investigate, just simply relying on the fact that some charges had been laid, and there actually being no identifiable impact to the company uh, the judge ended up awarding this individual 12 months of severance so i think this decision in particular is important because it highlights the fact that just because you're an employee who may have engaged in improper conduct whether it's on or off duty um, does not necessarily mean there will then be grounds for a causal termination Uh, As we know and as has been discussed on the show, for an employer to allege cause and actually make it out is a quite high threshold, a quite high um, standard that needs to be met. And as far as uh, off-duty conduct is concerned, uh, whether you're an employee or an employer, uh, employer, uh, you need to sort of focus on, again, whether there's been harm done, whether the uh, misconduct or conduct in question actually... Is making it such that the employee cannot perform their job, Uh, whether other employees within the company refuse to work with that employee for for whatever reason. Obviously if there is a breach of say criminal code that's something to consider and just generally speaking whether this makes it more difficult or or impossible for the employment relationship to continue onward. So these are just some of the factors the courts look at when deciding whether or not off-duty conduct would actually amount to a cause termination, but otherwise, uh, in this case, what the employer should have done was simply terminate without cause, if that's what it was uh, intending on doing in terms of a termination, but it didn't choose to do that. It went down the cause path, and as has happened many times before, did not end up working out in that employer's favor.
1: You know, I guess it's interesting. Would it be somewhat of a sliding scale, Chris? For instance, I'm thinking someone—I mean, I'll take myself for example. Representing, you know, this this media company, or radio station. Maybe I'm in a company vehicle and I'm at a park having a few wobbly pops with some pals, and it's like you know, I get a little mouthy or I run off the rails a little bit. I mean, it's a different situation than someone who has an anonymous job in a factory somewhere doing that. I'm out for all intents and purposes, representing this company, no matter where I am and what time of day it is, I could be at a family function, it doesn't matter, I could possibly be recognized as someone who is simpatico with this particular media company, so on and so forth. I mean, the rules can change depending on your vocation, yes?
2: Yeah, so as you say, a sliding scale, each case is going to be determined on its own set of facts, uh, Mm -hmm. and definitely depending on the nature of someone's job, depending on you know, those kinds of circumstances uh, that definitely does get factored in. I won't say that, you know, if you have maybe a public facing job, that that means you're automatically dead to rights. Uh, There are definitely still going to be issues, I think, for the employer to get over uh, because the bar is still pretty high. But, you know, to your point, those would come into the equation and, and could affect things for sure.
1: Chris Justice is your guy. Do not hesitate to reach out anytime if you have questions of this nature or any other thing uh, really under the uh, employment law banner. We always tell you to to reach out and give them a call just for a, a chat. It'll cost you nothing just to get some information, some education. one 5 821 5900 Always in help at employmentlawyer.ca. There's also another place, and there's so much to be learned here. It's free. It's anonymous. It's a website built for you called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's also contact on that one, let's uh, let's carry on with our, our topic for the uh, for the show today, Chris, and we'll uh, we'll get into a couple of these before we break. But actions of your sure. employer that can constitute a termination: number one, condone a toxic work environment in the face of protest. Break that down for me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, unfortunately, this is something I hear a lot of. As far as, for example, an employee who is being bullied or harassed at work. Now, I will say that not all forms of, for lack of a better phrase, bullying or harassment, uh, would constitute a constructive dismissal. But certainly if it gets bad enough, uh, that could very well constitute determination and trigger someone's uh, severance entitlements. So if you are someone who's been harassed or bullied at work, whether it's of a sexual nature or not, usually the first thing you got to do is report it to your employer. Now, it may not be your direct boss, depending on the circumstances, but there should be a protocol, a process in place uh, when it comes to reporting, say harassment or bullying. And in fact, under uh, health and safety legislation, employers are required to have these types of policies put in place uh, for this very reason. So you wanna start with that policy as, as a starting point, go from there in terms of reporting it. I think it's also important, whether we're talking about bullying, harassment, or or anything that happens in the office where sort of things that are verbally said amongst uh, one another. I think it's important to take notes uh, of certain things because not always are things put into an email, uh, documented. And and a lot of times uh, later on, it's going to come down to your word versus theirs. So if you're someone who, let's say you're being harassed or bullied by your boss, and then that person goes away, if you just jot down maybe some things verbatim that were said and kind of make notes contemporaneous to when those things are occurring, I, th- I just think that's going to be hugely beneficial later on, sort of as an aside, and, and also I think helpful for the company's investigation, because once you report the bullying, harassment or, or the, the issue somewhat, there's going to be an obligation generally for the company to investigate, and they've got to follow certain procedures, get witness statements, you know, gather evidence, and if they fail to do an investigation properly, that in and of itself could trigger a termination, because again, they're obligated to maintain a safe work environment, And they're obligated to obviously follow their own policies so that could be a a breach right there Um, if your employer does investigate the situation but then somehow comes to the wrong conclusion maybe arbitrarily or erroneously maybe there's a little bit of nepotism going on some favoritism um, then that could be seen as condoning the actions of you know the boss or the manager or whoever was engaging in this alleged harassment or bullying so the employer could also be seen as condoning the behavior in that sense, uh, trying to just maybe sweep things under the rug, sort of say that they crossed their T's and dotted their I's, but really um, weren't intending on supporting this, this victim of the harassment or bullying. So that's just another way that an employee could argue there's been a breach of the terms of my employment. I haven't been treated in the way that I should be, like any employee, and therefore I'm going after them for my severance entitlements.
1: Again, we're talking about actions of your employer that can constitute a termination. How about that? Number two, significantly reduce your pay, uh, change your hours, demote you, move locations, all that stuff, right?
2: Yeah, so this is pretty uh, fundamental. You know, obviously, a lot of people are very much concerned with how much they make, how many hours they work, where they work, what their duties and responsibilities are. Uh, So this is a pretty clear one. And and unfortunately, it's, it's far too common um but the basic premise here again much like uh, i discussed a moment ago is that when you join a company you have certain terms of your employment uh that you've agreed to and if your employer comes to you and changes those especially without any notice and they're huge in terms of pay or hours or location then you certainly have the right to refuse that and say well look hold up a minute i didn't sign up to do that i want to do this because if you don't do that Then you'll be seen as having condoned the change and then it's going to be easier for your employer to make changes in the future and it's just going to be make it that much more difficult for you to claim a constructive dismissal in these cases so if your employer is approaching you with these sorts of things you definitely want to get in touch with the lawyer um, before taking any action and you definitely don't want to wait too long because uh, that's going to come back to bite you in the. Um, but uh, you should definitely address any changes immediately and um, you know at least give the employer ability to respond Um, if the employer is going to make a change um, the very least they need to do is give you reasonable notice so it's not to say that changes can't happen it's just the problem comes when they just get made on the spot and tomorrow your your job's different as long as you give somebody a reasonable amount of time to decide whether they agree to the changes then that's one thing but then it comes a question of how much time do you need to give and again, that's where an employment lawyer is going to come in and, and be a huge benefit. A
1: few more of those points are on the way, but we got to take a short break. We'll do that now, reaching out to Chris anytime. 1 855 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue. This is the Employment Law Show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law
1: Show. All right, welcome back to the Employment Law Show. Chris Justice is your guy, courtesy of Sanfiru, Tamarkin, LLB, the most positively reviewed Law firm in the country to reach out to Chris anytime when we're not uh, chatting on the show and educating you and me and everyone else for that matter. One eight five five eight two one. 5900-help-at-employment-lawyer.ca. Chris, I want to get through a few more of these talking points that we got to before the break, and that is actions of your employer that can constitute a termination. This one is huge. It's It, it might be slowing down a little bit now, but over the last year and a half, it's been massive for you guys and everybody at the firm, and that is temporarily right. lay you off without your consent. Wow. Big one. It-
2: Yeah, definitely nowadays, uh, certainly it's a huge one. So generally speaking, the law says that unless your contract specifically contemplates being laid off or specifically allows for the company to lay you off or unless it's a common industry practice for you to be laid off, uh, a temporary layoff is going to be considered in all likelihood a constructive dismissal. And again, that's going to be another circumstance where an employee can treat their employment as having been terminated. Um, and even this being despite what employment standards legislation may say. Uh, so since the onset of the pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, this, is, uh, this issue has become a bit more muddied somewhat um, because, of course, a lot more people have been and, and are continuing to be laid off and they're being told by their employers that it's because of COVID and that there's this legislation in place that allows them to get away with it. Um, but again, I wanna make a point that that's not going to be the be all and end all, that, that your employer cannot simply say that this is what the legislation says and therefore we can do it. So you gotta um, understand that that's not something that's as black and white as that. And that historically speaking, these things were almost always treated as constructive dismissals. Um, Your employer may come to you and try to justify the layoff as being related otherwise to some business decision or reason, Uh, and and it may technically be in good faith, or at least not in bad faith, but that still doesn't mean that the layoff um, won't amount to a dismissal at law, and it still doesn't mean that you can't potentially pursue significant severance, especially if you've been there for quite a long time. Uh, Now, I will kind of make one quick point about a situation where you're laid off, but then your employer actually recalls you back. Because a lot of people come to me and they say, you know, Chris, I've been laid off uh, for six months, maybe a year. Now my employer is calling me back. Do I have to go back? If I don't go back, you know, is my case going to be affected? Uh, The short answer is maybe. Uh, There definitely are some situations where an employee would be expected to go back. Um, and if they don't go back, they may only be able to get the severance up until the point they were recalled. Um, But there are also situations, even in COVID layoff type cases, where an employee may not want to go back, uh, for example, because they know their employer was using the pandemic as a way to skirt around their obligations. Um, Or perhaps there was some rather acrimonious stuff that went on just before the layoff. Uh, Maybe there was a toxic environment before the layoff, which would justify the employee not coming back. So it's not to say that you can't come back and that therefore you won't be able to get anything beyond that. Um, But that's also uh, something that needs to be addressed by an employment lawyer and and sort of taken from there. But uh, generally speaking, don't assume your employer can, quote unquote, temporarily lay you off from your employment. That's always what they're going to say. And I mean, look, we're over two years into the pandemic now and I'm still dealing with people who've been laid off since March of 2020.
1: Yeah, exactly. We'll get to one more of these and we're talking about actions of your employer that can uh, constitute a termination. Unfairly criticize your performance and place you on the old performance improvement plan. How about that?
2: Yeah, so this can be a pretty sticky situation a lot of times. Uh, I myself have encountered, you know, many situations where, there's a big disagreement between the employee and the employer when it comes to the employee's performance. Uh, A lot of times the employer is looking to paper its trail and potentially terminate that employee later on down the road for performance related reasons. And there are some circumstances where an employer can actually, um, you know, follow certain steps, give enough time, and actually let somebody go for just cause based on performance. Now, again, that's very rare, but that just sort of maybe help explains partly why employers go down this path to begin with, Um, especially if they don't have any other way of maybe getting rid of the employee without having to pay them severance. So then they go down this performance improvement plan path paper the trail and hope that uh, things work out their way. And then a few months down the road, you know, cut ties and avoid those obligations. Um, but yeah, that's very much easier said than done. Uh, performance improvement plans themselves, uh, just the implementation of a plan like that could actually constitute a constructive dismissal. Um, just, just sort of, we can define what a, what a performance improvement plan is. It's basically mm-hmm. a plan that helps an employee understand where they where they need to improve uh it might outline reasons for the plan goals of the plan how the company is going to actually help you achieve those goals which if they're legitimate the the criticisms that is then the the employer should be helping you achieve those goals as well as a rough timeline but these are not always legitimate And so that's what I was saying, if you've got an illegitimate or an unfair performance improvement plan that's been imposed on you, I mean, first of all, if you disagree with it, I'm sure it's going to cause you a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, Secondly, if it's completely fraudulent or false, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, the terms of someone's employment to, to keep a safe work environment, you've also got an implied term of your employment to be treated with civility, dignity and respect. And if your employer is lying to you or abusing its, its power in some way, then there's a very good argument, I think, that you could say there's a breach of that implied term. Um, so definitely if you disagree with the performance improvement plan or any of these criticisms as an employee, you're going to want to put that in writing. You're going to want to um, make a record of it because you may have to rely on it later on. And that may actually flag to the employer that it's not going to be so easy to let you go in the way that they may want to you know you may be able to very quickly knock off five of the criticisms uh, directed towards you which might only leave one or none and then the employer has much of a less uh, much less of a leg to stand on when it comes trying to build its case against you for these you know supposed ongoing performance issues so you definitely want to object you want to put it in writing But just the whole ordeal itself, and depending on how bad faith, how much bad faith is involved on the employer side, just that whole process could constitute a constructive dismissal. Because I know a lot of people who have just had to take stress leaves after being placed on a on a performance improvement plan. Um, You know, could be legitimate um, the plan that is, um, but a lot of times it's not. And so, if now we're adding into the equation the impact that this is having on someone's health, mental, or otherwise. Um, I think there's even more of an argument to be made that this could constitute a constructive dismissal and allow you to get out of that environment.
1: Want to get to in our last uh, last few minutes here, Chris, a couple of things people should be looking out for, especially in the uh, current climate where it's either a fresh employment contract or they're heading back to work and their employer's been advised to maybe revise that contract. Things they should definitely yeah. be looking out for because, as we know, we've talked about it countless times, it's always to the advantage of the employer when that employment contract gets slid across the desk. Number one, the termination clause. Man, look out for that one.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I've I myself have probably spoken about this ad nauseum. But again, the termination clause is definitely one of the most important terms in a contract. Um, if there is no termination clause at all, there, that for the most part would be beneficial for the employee. So in that case, you may want to let sleeping dogs lie. But if you do notice there's a termination clause in your contract, even if it's very short. Uh, long, whatever the case is, you're you're going to want to have an employer look at that clause because it may say one thing and mean something completely different. Um, obviously these clauses are meant to generally limit an employer's severance liability towards you and uh, potentially only pay you the bare minimum. So of course, if the employer is going to have things their way, they're going to want to be able to rely on that. But as I mentioned, Um, It can really come down to the precise wording of the clause and despite the employer's intentions, um, the drafting of that actual section in the contract may just be poor enough that an employee can almost pretend as though it's not even there, which then I go back to it generally being in the employee's benefit because they're not going to be restricted to just the bare minimums under the law, but they're going to open themselves up to the common law and potentially get as much as two years of severance. So generally speaking, if you're an employee and you've got a clause in your contract, first of all, don't assume it's valid because it very well may be invalid. Uh, and, and, a, and a significant percentage of contracts um, in the past have not been enforced. So it's, it's a very, or at least a fairly rare thing for them to be enforced. And that, again, comes down to the wording. Um, And if there's any sense that the contract or that termination clause offends legislation in some way, then there's going to be a very good chance that the courts are going to set it aside. And again, you're going to have the opportunity to get the maximum severance possible.
1: And with that, we'll uh we'll convene for a uh, another show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And there's always stuff to be learned. You'll always walk away scratching your head with questions. Well, don't let it fester. You want to pick up a phone and ask 1-855-821-590. 821 5900 is how you can get a hold of Chris anytime. The email address, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Basic, right? And then the website built for you with employment law information and the severance pay calculator rolled into it. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is it. We'll catch you next time in the